Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. In today's episode, we are going to talk a bit about reorganization and what it looks like to really get clear on the roles and responsibilities of your team members inside your business and how you might do this as a way to kind of clean up and get your head straight before you go through a hiring process. Yes. I feel like we have made probably every mistake in the book when it comes to hiring. Oh, for sure. We have learned a lot over the last few years when we have decided to expand our team. And just so you guys know, I feel like we've come from every end of the spectrum when it comes to hiring, having a team, and having a big team, having a small team, not having a team, having employees, having not employees, having just VAs, contractors, literally everything in between. I really encourage you to find the solution that works for you and your business and the goals that you want to reach just because we didn't necessarily like having employees doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. Just because like we've had a big team at one point and then sized down drastically doesn't mean one of those options wouldn't work for you. I think every time we've hired and every time our team has changed, it's taught us more and more about the type of business team that we want to have how many people that means, what type of involvement we want to have in those people, managing those people, and the roles that they fill. I think part of this, I know it feels really overwhelming and it feels like you're going to make literally all of the mistakes. You will, for sure. To me, it still feels like one of those growing pains of business that you kind of can't get away from spending money to learn the lesson which is, I think, kind of the scariest part. You are taking a leap of faith with every hire that you bring onto your team, whether it's temporary or full-time employee, VA, whatever. And typically you pay those people and then you measure those results, right? Whether it be tangible results or 
morale or effectiveness, productivity, like literally whatever it is that that person's coming on to impact. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think that a lot of our audience, us included, you can get away with it just being you for a really long time, like maybe longer than you think if you have like the proper system set up. But I think there does come a point, depending on, again, the type of company, even if you're calling your business a company that you want to run and how front and center you are and the amount of time you want to put into your business, there are different roles that you can definitely bring on to your team. So last year, we scaled back majorly on expenses, like a lot, including our team, to just kind of get rain on what we were doing, who was involved, what roles people were playing. And we really needed people to start having like an ROI or like a really tangible return for sure. Yeah. So we started reestablishing roles even last year and then basically went on a hiring freeze Mm -hmm. for a really long time. Mm -hmm. When was our last hire? Miranda. No, I know, but when? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like sometime last year, but I don't know when. Yeah. So it's been a minute, but then I think we came into this season and I think we even like waited longer than we normally would where it's like, oh, I feel like we could use this role. Yeah, but wait. Oh, okay. I feel like we could still use this role and maybe this one. Yeah, but let's wait. And I'm really glad we waited because we were able to get specific coaching around leadership, management, hiring, all of that stuff. And I think it's made a huge impact in the way that we are prepping, setting the foundation of bringing on new people. So then I am even more hopeful for their outcome, their longevity and our team happiness. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think part of the things that we've done in the past that have been helpful, but I feel like we're missing a bit of a piece was, you know, we've referenced it many times before, but went through the book Traction a couple of years ago and kind of outlined what we thought our team would look like, where we thought our business was going. And I think the problem I see, like having moved away from that a bit is at the time you're really forward thinking, utilizing that system. And in the year we're in right now, like I couldn't tell you beyond 90 days what's even potentially happening. And this is a hot topic. I know some people strongly believe one way or the other, and I'm not saying it's right for every single business. What I am saying is know thyself. (laughs) And once you understand the type of person that you are and the type of thinker that you are, You don't necessarily have to do it in a different way just because it works for other people. What we have realized is that five-year, potentially even three-year plans don't work for us. It's literally a waste of time. Well, looking back at the ones we've made a couple of years ago, it hasn't even been three years ago, I literally laughed out loud. (laughs) Laughed. Laughed out loud. LOL'd. Now... I do think there was a part of that exercise that I really did take away and was helpful. And then a piece that it was missing. So two things, one, the how to run a meeting structure, still use it every week to this day. I think I would really like to, especially as we bring new people on, I want to actually reread that part of the book because I think 
we're probably missing some key components and have gotten a little lax with it, but the structure has made our team meetings go infinitely better. And then one of the exercises in the book is to outline like your team structure. Now, here's the problem with that. Cause I did go back and look at it before we went through this exercise. And what I noticed is it was really more of a hierarchy chart of like who reported to who and what departments you wanted to have. And while that can be important, especially if you're planning to hire a lot of people or have a much larger team, what it was missing <laughs> was like, what are the core responsibilities and expectations of those roles. And all of that to say that I'm really glad we went through this process. Now, I wouldn't have even thought to do this, but we hired Alyssa Bloom, who is a leadership and management coach. She has spent most of her career as a project manager and team lead at Apple and has worked virtually with teams all over the world. I really respect her background. And when I met her and we actually started working with her on another project first, and I was just really blown away with how she handled and organized everything. And so when she, when we were talking about hiring and she brought this up, it just made sense to us. So a lot of the exercises or the process we're talking about are things she has led us through. And so I, I want to give credit where credit is due, but I definitely think these are things that you could hire her to help you with, or you could utilize the same process internally, especially if you're not necessarily planning to hire, but you just want to get a really good look at what your current team is doing and be more clear on what you want and expect from people. Yeah. I feel like as we've done this over the years through traction or figuring it out on our own, and then now with Alyssa, that to me, this feels like the final step in buttoning up everything we've learned over the years and really making it a thorough process. Because I'll tell you guys, the, our, our biggest, and I can only speak for myself, Abby might have a, our biggest mistake or whatever, but the, the issue that we kept making was we thought we were clear on the role and we would outline the title and the description of that role and, and some of their responsibilities. And we would give that role KPIs, key performance indicators. And then we would hire for that role and we would give that person that d- Google doc of their description. And then a month in, two months in, we'd be like, oh, also, can you start doing this? And then, oh, can we add this on? And oh, can we do this? And then we would pay the person more or redesignate that role, but we would never have never actually redefined what their role is and what are they actually doing? How are they spending their days? How are they impacting the business? And then what would happen? Because this is obvious. They would stop doing some of the original things that we hired them for because we gave them 25,000 new things. And then we'd be like, well, why aren't these old things getting done? And not like in a yelly way, but we'd be like, oh crap. Yeah. We forgot that was their original role. And now that's not getting done, but we really love the work they're doing over here. I guess Mm -hmm. maybe we need to rehire for that. And so then it was just about like filling all of these like holes in a ship, right? That we were creating ourselves by moving these people around and giving them so many different tasks. And this activity, I feel like was just restructured in a way. And I know we're going to walk you through a bit more clearly, but where we were outlining, what is the role? Just outline that one role. There could be 50 different roles. 
and only three people on your team. So this one person is doing 10 of those. That's fine. But like separate that role from the person. So we Mm -hmm. know what to accomplish this thing, this one specific thing, what's needed. And if we're going to give it to one person who has multiple things, that's okay. But we need to know specifically for this role, this is what's required. And I think that was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, and I think part of the reason I've struggled with this as a CEO is really my only experience going into this is corporate. And so because of that, in a corporate structure, most of the time, the roles we're talking about are individual people rather than one person taking on multiple roles and responsibilities across departments. Yeah. In a corporate structure, you are very clear on which department you're in. You're in marketing or you're in finance or you're in sales or you're in whatever. And then you just have one key thing that you're really operating within, which which is fine in that environment. But when you're in a small business, you put on many hats. And when you hire, more than likely, you're going to give them multiple hats unless you kind of silo it out, which we've done that too, where we have people that literally just do one thing. And because of that, we're really only working with them a couple hours a month or on quarterly or whatever, but that doesn't mean their role's not important. It's just very specific. So the goal with this is really to worry less about who's doing what, because I think that's the big thing here. That's what we got hung up on. So we started, and I'm not even sure Emily saw the original document, but I started brainstorming literally everything it takes to run our business. Like, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what department it is, but like, what are all the kind of day-to-day tasks? Like, literally everything. And I, I guarantee you it's an incomplete document, Oh yeah, uh, but it gives yeah. you a good kind of exercise to just like thoroughly put everything on paper, all the bits and pieces, how it's, how your brain is operating. Cause the problem is regardless of how many team members you have, even if you have a solid project management system, which that's a story for another day, you can and you likely are the person that's constantly having like a thousand things firing in your head because you see how it's all interconnected but your team doesn't necessarily unless you're very clear on how their role is connected to other things and so really brainstorming it out and then the next the next step is to put it into this matrix where you're identifying what the role is and this is really just a name like it and it don't get caught up in like if you're, especially if you're from corporate, you're going to want to try to like make it sound super official and whatever, like just what's the basic gist. Okay. And then what department does that live in? And that's mostly just so you can think about how things are interconnected. And then you're going to start thinking through what are the responsibilities? And when we're talking responsibilities, it's like, where do they have ownership? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, our accountant, her core responsibilities are preparing our quarterly taxes and annual corporate return and right. advising us on financial decisions. That's pretty much it. Could I say a million other things about finances? Sure, but like that's not the point. The goal is to like get it down to what's the nitty gritty of this role 
And, you know, some roles are just more complicated, especially when you get into marketing and you have like multiple channels and like different types of content you're putting out there. That responsibility list may get longer and that's okay. But then you're going to take, and this was the part that I feel like was transformative. I was like, oh, this is how, this this is how you communicate better. (laughs) Then you come up with baseline expectations of like, how do they fulfill that role? What does success look like to you in that role? And this should be a, did it happen or did it not happen? It's a Mm -hmm. yes, no thing. So like, what are our accountants baseline expectations? Yeah. So, I mean, just for basic knowledge. So she's going to prepare our quarterly tax certificates four times a year. She's going to prepare our K-1, which is our corporate tax filing for our LLC one time a year. And she's going to respond to all financial questions within one business day via email. Those are things where it's like, you know, we... And I'm just going to throw poor Amy under the bus. None of these things are true, right? But so if we're like emailing our accountant and it's been a week and we haven't received a response, it's someone's job to come in and be like, hey, our baseline expectation for you is to respond within 24 hours. That hasn't been happening. How can we fix that? That's a very clear, like this did not happen. Or if something was late, like it didn't get turned, the quarterly estimate, whatever, it didn't get turned in for that quarter. This did not happen. What do we need to do to fix that? It shouldn't be any sort of like, you can read into it and interpret it in a different way. Mm-hmm. It just did, or it didn't happen. Right. And you'll notice when you start doing this, that sometimes for certain roles, you're like hiring. Yes, you might be hiring a person, but you're like hiring a company and you're not totally in charge of what the expectations are because they have like a client package and that's what you technically signed up for. That's one thing. But when you start to get into these contractor roles where like you developed their role entirely from scratch. Yeah, like a social media manager or a copywriter or customer service admin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, where you're you're doing the hiring and like they may have other clients, but like you really assigned and developed what they're doing for you. Mm-hmm. This is where that like you set expectations and then you can check if they did them. And then yeah. if they didn't, you can put corrective action in place. Well, and I think just- too that that really helped me think about it in a new way. So for example, like social media manager, right? If their responsibilities are to like, you know, create engaging content for Instagram or something. And then the baseline expectation is post on Instagram stories three times a day, whatever, right? So first of all, we can see that if they didn't post three times a day, okay, what do we need to do to change that? Is there content planning we need to help you with? Is there a scheduling issue? Like literally what is it? All right. But what if we are posting three times a day? Then the last column of this sheet is the result, the outcome. Why are they doing it? What are the results that you're wanting to happen because of the actions they take? And for this, right, you could say increase product sales, increase engagement, increase whatever, right? You could say whatever it is on there. Well, say they are posting three times a day, but it's not converting or it's not actually increased engagement or it's not increasing your followers. And if those are the things that you wanted to happen because of that, that's when it's not a, hey, you didn't do this. It's a conversation of, is that the action that's going to get us this result? And it's more of a, con- a strategy conversation. And I think separating the you did or just didn't do the thing 
Mm-hmm. And then that action did or didn't achieve our goal. Separating those for me made a really big difference. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Sometimes people are doing their job and not getting the results you want. And some people are just not doing their job or they're doing their job amazing and they are getting results and sometimes they aren't. So like, I think there's different ways that this can all kind of lay out, but you 
spending the time to go through and map this out, you likely will have things that are currently happening. And then you're like, in an ideal world, this would also be happening or this is also important to me or this is what I want to like grow into. Like, and you can define that. So you might have roles that nobody's doing right now. Yeah. You may have roles that someone is kind of doing, but you weren't clear on your expectations. Mm -hmm. You might have roles that wish you were doing and maybe you are the person responsible for it. Exactly. And and so like we even as part of this, and I kind of struggled at first with what to do for us, we went through and put down everything we were currently doing and then made a second version of this is my ideal what I'm doing. And that meant anything that I didn't want to do anymore. If it was considered like a key activity, it had to be reassigned to someone else in a different role. And I can't say that overnight this fixed our team. We still have a lot to work to do to like actively communicate this. Mm -hmm. But just going through this process gave us a very clear understanding of who's sitting in what seat right now, who's sitting in what seat right now that we need to just readdress and like, not necessarily remind because sometimes we never told them. Like, never, yeah. Here's the expectations moving forward. Here's our goal. Give people ownership in it. And then use that as a catalyst to really identify where things are missing. I think for me, like up until this exercise, all of our roles to me felt like this, you know, what is the saying where it's like, you'll know it when you see it, like you can't describe it, but you know it when you see it or you, you feel it, you know, yes, that's not wrong. a good way to run a business. <laughs> no, but like, but that's yeah. what we were doing for a long yeah. time where it was like, we feel like this, this person's role isn't doing what it should be doing, but we don't know what's missing. We right. don't know if they're doing too much. We don't know if they're doing enough. We don't know if they should be over here. We don't, we don't know, but we feel like something's off. And I think that's how it's felt for a really long time across the board. And that's, that's literally on us. That's on us. Yeah. And so this exercise for me was like, oh, let's clearly put in here, like, because of this role that you are responsible for, here are the things. And it's just so much easier. I don't know. It's not like something novel and completely like revolutionary, but the way that it was like broken into different sections to me was really helpful. Yeah, because I think we've written job descriptions in the past where they were either like too vague or they weren't clear on like how you were actually supposed to go about doing it. Does that make sense? Right. Where it's like, oh, we want you to manage our community and increase customer satisfaction. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. I know that I'm doing my job. Right. So like if you have a baseline of like, okay, I want you posting in a group this many times a week and then an outcome to measure against engagements increased or retentions increased or whatever. Oh, well now you have something to measure against. And even if it's not specific, because I think this is where I've got caught up in the past. Like I needed to define. Increase engagement by 20% month over month. (laughs) No, fuck around. I mean, sure, but the only the only real test of anyone is are they doing better than they did before? Yeah. And like you being your own challenge. And so like give people a baseline. Here's where we're at. Here's where things are right now. Here's where we want to go. And it doesn't 
I think putting a timeline on anything, it just stresses people out. Like, you know, if we were to say, okay, you know, our, and I don't even know what it is, somewhere between 45 and 50,000 followers on Instagram, somewhere around there. Say we're like, our goal is to get to 100,000 followers by Christmas. Mm -hmm. It sounds like what I would have said three years ago. Like, of like, this is a fun challenge and let's like supercharge our growth. P.S. Like, that doesn't actually matter. No, like for what? (laughs) But if the goal is let's increase engagement so that we can drive more eyeballs to our products, okay. That's something you can measure, see results in, and continue to like work towards. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have like short term, like let's get over this hump and like try to hit this number or whatever. But I think sometimes setting these big sexy numbers are just distractions from you actually focusing on what needs to happen. Yeah. And so the the piece for me that we've also been missing and mm-hmm. I feel like we're still figuring out how to communicate is the true taketh of ownership that we want each of our team members to yeah. have on their roles, responsibilities, outcomes, all of that, right? So if our, if our social media manager, their role is to, you know, post value add content on Instagram, right? And the part of that is to post three times a day on the stories and once a day on the feed. Maybe it's to respond to, to all DMs within 24 hours, like whatever those metrics are, right? The outcome is to increase engagement on within our existing audience and increase eyeballs on our products, right? People understanding what we sell, clicking over to those things and, and being there, right? It's not their job to convert the sale. That's the sales page job, or that's whatever follow-up sequence we have within that funnel. This particular role is just getting more eyeballs, engagement eyeballs. That's it, right? That's this person's job. And what we now want, what I really want to learn how to do is empower that person's role to come up with creative ways to reach their own specific metric. I don't want them worried about the conversion. I want them worried about their specific role and come to the table with ideas on, okay, I've been posting three times a day. I've been posting once a day on the feed, but man, like this, the the click over on our swipe ups just aren't working. I wonder if I try this, it would work. I want that person to be so jazzed about just increasing their little metrics that they come to the table with ideas on how they can improve that. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm tired. I am so exhausted. Because I'll speak for both Abby and I. When I say I, I know she's doing it too. Of being the only brain that's strategically thinking for every GD department and strategy we have in this business. What's going to make this graphic convert better? What's going to make this sales page better? What color button should we use? Should the opt-in page look like this and the thank you page? And should we have real covers? And what should our strategy be on stories? And what about emails? It's everything. It's everything. And every week our, our team is getting together and Abby and I are being like, okay, if that's not working, what if we tried this? What if we tried this? And we're the only ones brain dumping conversations and it's exhausting. And it's not to say that like 
That makes it sound like our team sucks. Like that's not no, true. No, no. Again, this is our fault. <laughs> yeah. Like our team that's is really amazing cool. and they're doing what we ask of them. Yes. We just need, we need to create a culture of ownership where yes. they're driving results and driving their own outcomes. And we are more the like, if you, if you want to banner back and forth and like help them brainstorm, sure. If they need help yeah. with strategy or they're like, here's where I'm stuck. That's sure. But I think yeah. part of what's exhausting is trying to keep all the moving parts and pieces, not just functioning, but also like strategic and like yeah. that, like they all make sense. And you know, we've been good about for a long time, people were like, how in the world, like, why are you still doing tech? Like, why are you still setting up your landing pages and your emails and whatever? Okay. Well, we offloaded that, but we're still thinking about which landing page design converted best. And like, yeah, is that really the answer or do we need to look at metrics? We didn't really offload it. We just edited a landing page literally yesterday ourselves. And so it's just, it's, it's stuff like that where it's like, we are still so much in the weeds of strategy on Mm -hmm. every single department because we have really not figured out that is that piece of, of of gifting true ownership so that their brains can begin to creatively think. And I'm so excited for that. I think the reason why I'm just like yelling about it is because I'm truly I'm truly jazzed about that next step within our company that we're all going to take together where we're going to be able to communicate way the heck better, support our team and encourage them in order to make those type of decisions and creative thinkings. I'm truly, truly so excited because, you know, just like you guys for the first couple of years, Abby and I were the doers and the strategy thinkers behind every single thing. I remember we would have four, five, six hour long phone calls of like, what layout, you know, of the landing page and how should we design this? And can you add some copy here? And then, oh, I'm going to do this and let's A-B test it. Like we were literally making every decision and then measuring the results and then tweaking different stuff. And again, with, with Instagram or content, do you think we should blog this much or do this? You are the one making all of those decisions right now. And I think that's, it's not the hardest piece to let go because it's hard to let go of that control. It's hard because you don't know how. You don't know how to gift responsibility of outcome to someone else. Mm-hmm. And we're still figuring that out. Oh, for sure. Well, I want to take this activity and just kind of give you a roadmap of, and I, I don't have all the answers because we're still kind of in the midst of it, but like, how do you take this information, communicate with your existing team, identify holes, and then hire strategically? So the first kind of thing, and it kind of depends on your immediate need? Like, do you have a fire going on in a certain role or department where you're like, I need to pause everything and I need to fill this role before we move forward. And if you do, then like, keep that in mind. But if you don't, what I would suggest doing is that you go through and identify who on your existing team is in what role. More than likely, like we said, they're going to be in multiple and you're going to be in multiple that's okay. That's the point. Like you're trying to identify what those things are. From that, you want to then develop a job description for each person, not for each role, for each person. So you're going to take that person, you might give them a different title because they're managing four different roles. Fine. That it doesn't matter what you call them. That's not the important part. The important part is that you clearly 
define core responsibilities. And then you have a conversation with them in a meeting where you go through this step-by-step. Here's everything you're now in charge of here or that you are currently in charge of, but let me be more clear. Yeah. Um, these are the new baseline expectations of this is what needs to happen daily or weekly or monthly or quarterly or annually or whatever. You're going to be very clear on that. And then you're going to gift ownership to them, which I'm still not entirely sure. And I feel like we're probably going to need to have a whole podcast episode uh, all about how to give ownership yeah, away. A whole meeting dedicated with Alyssa on this piece alone. Right. Because this is definitely the part that I find the most intimidating. But if you were to suggest to someone, here is your baseline expectation. Now, the goal of these tasks is for you ultimately to insert Mm -hmm. outcomes. I would love for you to take ownership in that, come up with strategies around it, like brainstorm. I'm here to back you up. Like, But I want you to take ownership in it. And I haven't done it yet, so I can't say that I, I, know. <laughs> I know all the secrets, but that that's the general gist is that you're going to go through and you're going to just really make it clear with your existing team what their role and responsibilities are. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, that sounds simple, but it's important. Yep. Then from there, there's going to be clearly missing pieces where either roles are totally empty and maybe they stay empty. Like that's, I don't want, cause I've been on the other side of this where I felt yeah. like now we have to hire for seven roles. Like what are we going to do? No. no, more than likely. And the same, we've talked about setting priorities and you might have rubble balls and glass balls and plastic balls or whatever. Some of these roles in your business are not as important as others, right. period. Mm-hmm. And so you get to decide is this a current urgent thing that you need to fill? Is this mm-hmm. something you are going to like lump several roles together and hire one person for? What budget do you even have you to like make it happen? Yeah. Is it on your plate for now? And your goal is to offload it in six. Like you get to decide, but I will say it's important that instead of getting ahead of yourself, that you really identify what your budget is. So, and I've talked about this in the past, but I will just like quickly say, we have an operating budget that we work within. And that includes all expenses every single month. And I do average it out because some things like Squarespace renews at a certain time and this renews, whatever. It's average, but some things are average. And then our contractors, like it has to be a certain percent or less than our overall revenue goal. And while this is our operating budget is a goal, it is like the gold standard. Like if we're not doing it, then we're either getting paid less or someone's not meeting or something has to be cut. Exactly. Like, so we have a budget that has very clear, here's who we currently have on our team. Here's where they currently get paid. Here's what their current roles are. Okay. If this person leaves or if it, I mean, whatever, we have budget that we can play with a little bit, but it's not a lot. Like, it's not like, we're not just throwing money at the wind here. Like, cause we still build in profit. <laughs> we build in profit to that budget where 30% of the overall revenue is 
tagged to be profit for that month. And so technically, like if we had one high month or whatever, we could make it work. That's kind of the whole point of having profit. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to hire someone and you intend to keep them around long term, you need to make sure you have the budget to support it. Yeah. So made the mistake and not done that in the past. (laughs) Or or we made an unrealistic budget where we're like, we can do this, but we got to hit this number. And then it put a lot of stress on the team for growth that we weren't really prepared to take on. Yep. So I suggest you make a budget with your current average monthly income before you do anything. And then from your from your current average monthly income, you could tag up to 20% of that for contractors. But keep in mind, if you're still in the beginning stage of your business, you might want to instead keep that lower, focus more on systems, and that way you have a bigger percentage for you just because the overall business isn't making as much. But when you get into multiple six figures and you're growing to up to the seven figure and beyond mark, 20% is a really good healthy percentage of revenue. So we looked at this. The whole point of us even doing this is we knew we needed to fill a role. And so that was part of it. You said, but, yeah, so we used the opportunity of filling the role to restructure everything. Exactly. So we just thought, okay, let's be really clear on what we want across the board. So when we bring this new person on, they can help reinforce what we want to have moving forward. And we created just like you would for people that are existing on your team, we created a job description based on the roles they would fill within the business. Yeah. And then we created a hiring process that would make sure that they had skills and experience in the areas that were required to even make this work, you know? Yep. I am so excited. So I'm so excited. I'm very happy, very happy that we took nearly a year. I would say nearly a year. If Miranda didn't come around this time last year, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. So nearly a year, if not a year since our last hire to just like sit with our existing team, sit with our roles, focus on things, get just like let stuff kind of write itself with the changes that we're making for this year. And I am, I'm excited that this, someone's leaving on our team. So I'm not excited about that, but I'm excited for the role to be opening up. It's everyone's like, it's great, great growth for everyone on, on how this role is transitioning. And I'm excited that it has brought on this new opportunity to completely restructure in what I feel like is a really positive way to like get the people who are on our team, just like, reinvigorated with stuff with the goals and outcomes and stuff within our company. I, I honestly like believe it's going to make a really beneficial impact. Yeah. Now, if you're curious more about the hiring process, we've recorded whole episodes in the past on that and essentially like how we come up with our questions and all that. I will say as an aside to that previous episode, I would recommend that you make sure that your questions really touch on the actual things you want them to do in your business. It's really easy to just start asking like vague leadership management questions or 
tell me about a time you did blah, blah, blah. Not that those aren't helpful, but like you need to be clear on what your priorities are. And so with that, I feel like we've been able to look at applications with a new eye that previously not that we would have been led astray, but like certain things would have caught our attention more than others. And instead it wasn't about who the person was at all. It was literally like, do you check these boxes? Cause these we've identified as the most important parts of this job. And if you don't, it's not that you might not be a great fit for another position later, right? but like, well, and honestly, I think what's so funny is that this is the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, but that we've gotten this many applications in this like short of time frame for a role. No. Well, we, we did get a lot of applications. For, I'm remembering one other time, but we, when we hired for our employee position, we, instead of doing recommendations only, we did like advertise the position. And so we got hundreds of applications, yeah. but they were like 99% of them were garbage. Oh, for sure. And I, it was for this specific thing. I didn't want to yep. mass market it because I didn't want to sift through people that weren't qualified. So I asked people that know the kind of people that could do this thing yeah, and got recommendations and they put it out in their community, but it wasn't like a mass market thing. We have definitely in the past, you know, advertised to our group or advertised on social and it's just kind of hit or miss. You got to, you have to decide what's important to you in this process. If we didn't get a good batch of super qualified people, we would have gone about advertising it more in a different oh, way. Sure. I was just really pleased with the amount and it, it didn't feel like we had to like, cause I am the employee position. I mean, granted we wanted to try harder to, to really, really scour places to find the best candidate for that position. But it was just like, it, I don't know. It seemed like it took a while, but this one I feel really good about. And like, I feel I'm, I'm truly so pleased with the, like that we've taken Alyssa's entire process for this, where we're, I'm so confident in the conversations that we're having with our candidates because they're typically, I don't know. I felt like I hop on a zoom and I'm just like, so tell me about yourself. And like, I don't know, it's just more of personality wise, which I definitely is very important to us, but I've never felt more confident in the, like, you have this, you have this skill, you have this, and it's checking these boxes. So once we got all of our applications and we're reading through them, it took us 30 minutes, 40 minutes to, I know you read through them first, but then we all read through them, me, you and Alyssa, and like decided on what are our three, two to three kind of check mark boxes where if they have all three, they're definitely moving on to like second interview. If they have two, let's talk about that third one that's missing. Is that a deal breaker? Are we flexible on it? If they only have one, is it worth having a second interview? Do we need to ask some clarifying questions? And I, it was just such a good streamlining process where I didn't have to go with like, again, like you said, anything about the person. It was truly just what we were reading in what they sent us. And I've also never like, cause I've heard other companies do this where they're like, we're going to keep your application on file. I'm like, for what? You're already filling this role with someone else. So I don't really understand. 
But we want to say that to a couple of the applicants that we got, because based on their answers, we don't think they're a great fit for the role they necessarily applied for, but that they could be a good fit for a different role that we know we're going to be opening up soon. So like truly, I want them to apply for that role if, if they want to. When, when it's time for us. So we are going to keep it on file and reference it. So I've never really known what that meant before, but I, I don't know. I, well, exciting. I think, you know, if you, your job experience is a little bit different and then like, I a hundred percent have been in a corporate situation where it was like, we were hiring and we were hiring for this one thing and they didn't get it, but that doesn't mean like it, everything just moves so fast. Like we could be hiring someone two weeks from now or a month from now for right. like have maybe even the same position or a very similar version of the same position where we might not, uh, well, if you have like two equal opportunity employer laws, like it's definitely, and I don't even totally understand all of it. We are not HR experts. We are mm-hmm. We both went to art school and we're running a business and trying to get the best advice we can. We've definitely consulted people in HR and like gotten as much guidance as possible. But anyway, I'm not, not to say we are perfect at this at all, but if you are trying to really be clear on the roles and responsibilities of your team, do this exercise. And I really think it can set you up for success if, when you decide to hire And if nothing else, it's going to allow you to have really clear conversations with the people that are already on board about what you want. It'll be less emotional because I feel like sometimes I've gotten like, yes, like it was a gut, like, I just feel like they're not, no, like they are, they are, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited, not only for the hiring process and the clarity that I've gotten, but also the restructuring. Cause within this activity, we've like, literally moved roles around and some people are going to be taking on new things and dropping things and taking this on instead or whatever. And so I'm really, I'm for the first time ever jazzed about like having those conversations with our team members. Cause I've never felt fully equipped to have them before. And so to go in confidently knowing that this is now what, what the role is, you good, here are the expectations, you good. And just like doing that check-in based on like what we've already outlined instead of like, let's figure out what this is every day, <laughs> which is what we've done. It's fine. It makes it sound like we're a little bit crazy and it's because we are, you guys. I can't claim that having a super streamlined backend team is what led to our success. It was, that wasn't it. No. I'm not sure what it was, but it wasn't that. So <laughs> I wish you guys luck on this process and I know it's going to add so much clarity for you and your business. So happy organization. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. 
Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.